What's up, world? I'm Cameron McKinney, and this is Pop Culture Spotlight, a podcast about the movies Zola, The Water Man, and Falling. First, let's talk about the movie Zola. Here's a quick synopsis. Zola is a waitress in Detroit and meets Stephanie, and the two become fast friends and agree to take a trip together to Florida to make money dancing. However, the trip takes a wild and unexpected turn for Zola. This is one of the wildest movies of the year and it comes down to the performance and I want to talk about those performances first let's talk about one of the best actresses in the world right now Riley Keough and I think the reason Riley Keough isn't a bigger movie star is because she gets lost in her roles she's a chameleon she doesn't act or look the same from movie to movie but her work warrants attention She's done fantastic work in Mad Max Fury Road, American Honey, It Comes at Night, Logan Lucky, Under the Silver Lake, and The Devil All the Time. And in Zola, she plays a complete agent of chaos, and I would love for her to get her first Oscar nomination. Keo's next projects include the movie Mandrome with Adrian Brody and Jesse Eisenberg, and the miniseries Cult Following with Dakota Johnson. The other main character of this film is played by Taylor Page, who plays Zola, who is tasked with a difficult job being the stray character in a movie filled with over-the-top performances. She is the voice of reason in the movie. Previously, Paige was in Ma Rainey's Black Bottom and had some great scenes with the late great Chadwick Boseman. Paige's next films include Sharp Stick with Kristen Frosseth, John Bernthal and Jennifer Jason Leigh, Mac and Rita with Diane Keaton, The Toxic Avenger with Peter Dinklage, Jacob Tremblay, Kevin Bacon and Elijah Wood, and Brothers with Josh Brolin, Peter Dinklage, Glenn Close, and Brandon Fraser. So Taylor Page is clearly a performer to keep an eye on. I think the man who gives the best performance in this film is Coleman Domingo. I mean, this is the best performance of his career, and he should get Oscar nominated. He's been on a great run lately with performances in Euphoria and Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. He's also currently in the remake of Candyman with Yaya Abdul-Mateen. I mean, in this film, Domingo is playing a really scary type of character, and he is so believable in the role. And then you have actor Nicholas Braun, who has mastered the art of playing a doofus. He does it on Succession as Cousin Greg and he's doing it in Zola. I do wonder though how many times he can do it on screen before it becomes a tired act. What's interesting about the film Zola is that it all really happened. This film is based on a Twitter thread and one has to wonder if more and more movies will be based on social media. I mean in the past there have been tons and tons of movies based on real life events because of reporting. Because we know these stories because of newspapers and because of the internet and online stories. But now we're getting a whole movie based on a Twitter thread and someone's accounts on a particular event. I do feel like the weakness of the movie is that it's more about the performances than it is about the plot. Yes, I want to see Riley Keough and Coleman Domingo 
play these characters for an hour and a half. But the reason the movie can only be an hour and a half because the plot itself isn't that interesting. It, it's a good plot. I want to watch it. I think it's a viable film. But I think its downfall is it's all about the performances. And I love that. Don't get me wrong. I love Riley Keough's performance. I think it's Oscar worthy. Coleman Domingo is Oscar worthy. Taylor Page and Nicholas Braun are really good in this film. But it is a film that is based upon the performances and not really about the events that occur in the movie. Zola is one of the wildest indies of the year and I highly recommend you check it out if not just for the performances given by Riley Keough and Coleman Domingo. Let's switch gears and talk about the movie The Waterman. Here's a quick synopsis. A young boy Gunner goes deep into the woods to find a larger than life figure known as The Waterman to help his sick mother. The reason I check this movie out is because of who the director is and that's David Oyelowo who is a tremendous actor who is known for his performances in The Butler, Selma, Interstellar and A Most Violent Year and with The Waterman he is making his directorial debut and it's a solid debut at that. I think he has a promising future as a filmmaker. This is one of the best actors that nobody talks about. He's tremendous as Martha Luther King Jr. in Selma but the performance that I think of when I think of David Oyelowo is Lee Daniels the butler. I absolutely love that film. That film is filled with great performances by Forrest Whitaker. John Cusack shows up in that movie. I also loved Oprah Winfrey. That's an all-time great Terrence Howard performance, but the real standout of The Butler is David Oyelowo. I mean, The Butler was so star-studded. You had the late, great Alan Rickman and Robin Williams in that movie. Cuba Gooding Jr. Leave Schreiber. I remember James Marsden being terrific in that film. Lee Daniels' The Butler is one of the best films of the 2010s. Again, I could not recommend it enough. Oyelowo's next projects include the film See How They Run with Sir Sharon and Sam Rockwell and Adrian Brody and the Apple TV Plus series Wool with Tim Robbins, Rashida Jones, and Rebecca Ferguson. The lead of The Waterman is young actor Lonnie Chavis, who is best known for being a regular on the NBC hit show This Is Us, gives an impressive lead performance. The rest of the cast includes Rosario Dawson, who is excellent as always and Alfred Molina who is such a good actor recently he was great in Promising Young Woman and I cannot wait to see him reprise his role of Doc Ock in Spider-Man No Way Home I mean who isn't pumped up for that he was great in Spider-Man 2 I didn't love how he went from being a bad guy to a good guy at the end of the movie it will be really interesting to see how they incorporate his character back to life I mean people seem to forget he died at the end of Spider-Man 2, so they're going to have to come up with a pretty good reason as to why he's alive currently. And not to sound rude to Mr. Molina, but he is 68 years old, so do I really want a 68-year-old Doc Ock? I mean, that is probably one of the most anticipated films of the year, and I hope it lives up to the hype. The Waterman is a type of family film that you don't see a lot of anymore. Before, you would get films like E.T., The NeverEnding Story, The Goonies, and more recently, J.J. Abrams' Super. Super 8. I love Super 8. That film stars Elle Fanning. It is so terrific. It's like a sci-fi. Not enough people have seen Super 8. And recently you also got David Lowry's remake of Pete's Dragon. These movies are, have fantastical elements and kids are the leads. But also they have thought-provoking 
themes. E.T. dealt with divorce. In this film, the Waterman deals with death while remaining fun, and that's kind of hard to do. Like, it's tough for a kid's movie to be edgy, but these type of movies always used to walk the line. And I think the difficult thing about having a movie like this is sometimes you can make a kid's movie with these type of topics, and they can go right over the kids' heads. But the brilliant thing about these films is they're kind of simple and complicated at the same time. Like, somebody could watch E.T. and its simplicity and think it's only about the alien and ignore all the divorce stuff, but then when they get older, they can realize the divorce thing. That's what I think the brilliant thing is about these movies. And I think The Waterman shares some of those same elements. Like, it's a fun movie, but it's also about something. I think it's difficult for family movies sometimes to be both fun and entertaining and to be about something. I think The Waterman is about something. It's also one of those rare family films that's an original movie. I mean, nowadays, all we're getting are sequels or live-action remakes of movies we've already seen. This is that rare type of family movie that is becoming more rare often than not. I highly recommend you check out the movie The Waterman. Let's switch gears one final time and talk about the movie Falling. Here's a quick synopsis. Willie is an 80-year-old farmer who is visiting his son John in Los Angeles with the intention to possibly move there. But his contentious relationship with his family keeps him at odds with his son. This film is the directorial debut of Viggo Mortensen, who has had a massive career. He's had roles in Carlito's Way with Al Pacino and Sean Penn and Crimson Tide with Denzel Washington and Gene Hagman. He was one of the leads of the Lord of the Rings trilogy and has been Oscar nominated for his performances in Eastern Promises, Captain Fantastic, and Green Book. He's one of the finest actors of his generation and I feel like Morrison's performance in this movie saves it. It, it. There's one scene in particular I thought he was tremendous in. I am a massive fan of Viggo Morrison. I think he's one of the best leading men working today and early on in his career I thought he was giving some of the best supporting performances. I love him in Crimson Tide, the Tony Scott film starring Denzel and Gene Hackman. Crimson Tide is one of the great films. I mean, it's a fun film. It's about something. It's one of those late, great studio films that you don't see a lot of anymore. I also really loved him in Carlito's Way. I mean, that's a smaller role. Who doesn't love Carlito's Way? Vigo Morrison shows up in something, and I'm going to give it a watch because he usually picks some interesting movies. And I do feel like people have been down on Vigo for a few years now because of his Oscar-nominated performance in Green Book. And that movie is super polarizing. It won Best Picture. A lot of people feel like it's problematic. I have not seen the movie Green Book. But I grew up with Vigo Mortensen playing Aragon in The Lord of the Rings. So I feel a very different way about him than a lot of people do right now. I think he's one of the best actors I've ever seen. I think he's reliable. I don't think he's a super well-known name. Like, I wouldn't put Vigo Mortensen in the movie star category. I would put him in the great leading man category. He can be the lead of some smaller films. Again, the only big-time movies he's been the lead of were the Lord of the Rings films, and so far after that, he's done on and done smaller projects like Falling. I also think he's a top of the list of somebody who's going to win an Oscar in the not-so-distant future. Again, he's been Oscar-nominated three times for Eastern Promises, Captain Fantastic, and Green Book. It's only a matter of time before Viggo Mortensen gives a performance that finally lands him an Oscar, and I think he's worth 
worthy of that. He's been doing such great work for over 30 years now. Mortensen's next projects includes the movies 13 Lives with Joel Edgerton and Colin Farrell directed by Ron Howard and Crimes of the Future with Kristen Stewart and Leia Sadu directed by David Cronenberg. The other lead of this movie is Lance Henriksen who is best known for appearing in the James Cameron films Aliens and the Terminators and gives what I would deem a lead performance that is distracting to the entire film and I found really annoying at times. Like at some point you get the point why he's acting the way he is in Falling and it just never stops. He sucked all the air out of this film. There's one scene with the great Laura Linney where he didn't give her any time to breathe. Why bring in Laura Linney if you're not going to give her a moment to shine? The performance is so in your face and is a reminder that one performance can keep a solid film from being great. I talked about this last week with Wayne Knight in 12 Mighty Orphans. There can be one performance that keeps a really good film from being great. And I think Falling is a really good film. I like the premise of the movie that you can have one problematic family member that the rest of the family has to care for. I get that. We're all going through that in some way right now. It's a movie that's super relatable, but the performance given by Henriksen is super distracting to the overall film and I think takes the other actors out of it. Again, there's one great moment from Viggo Mortensen that saves this entire movie. But yeah, the downfall of the movie is really from its lead performance. Like at some point you get the point and you're just beating the audience over the head with it. It gets to an annoying nature. Lance Henriksen plays a father who has a contentious relationship with his family and at some point we get it. We don't need to keep seeing it. At every moment he is just talking and talking and talking and talking. It's super distracting and I'm smart enough to understand that that's the point of the performance but I also think that the performance keeps the movie from being great. Again, I think Falling is a super solid film about something. I think it's a good movie. I think Viggo Mortensen is terrific in the movie but Laura Linney shows on screen and it's super distracting the performance that Henriksen is giving that you don't appreciate what Laura Linney Laura Linney was not given a chance to do what Laura Linney usually does in movies. I usually don't waste any time on this podcast trying to recast movies but I think this movie would have been better served if it were a better known actor playing that role like if Robert De Niro had played the lead role of this movie I think it would have worked a lot better if Al Pacino had played that role I think the movie would have worked because those actors would not have been as distracting and over the top with the role I also understand that probably why they couldn't get a bigger name to play the character is because he's playing a problematic figure. The character that Lance Henriksen is playing in this movie is super problematic. So maybe Robert De Niro doesn't want to play a hated character like that one. He would never do it because he doesn't act a lot anymore, but Joe Pesci would have been perfect in this movie. That's the type of character that Joe Pesci would have crushed. I just think a great actor playing that role would have made this really good movie great. A performance in this movie that I liked comes from Sverre Gundesen, who I thought was really good as tennis star Bjorn Borg in Borg vs. McEnroe, and in this film, he plays a complicated figure who clearly loves his kids, but has an old-school view of what being a man means, and I think it means being the top dog. Overall, I like this movie falling, and the 
themes it's dealing with. Clearly, there are men out there who live their lives drastically different than the way that the modern man does. Like the my way or the highway culture is gone and there's still a generation of people that don't understand that. So on this episode of the podcast, I've talked about David Oyelowo and Vigo Mortensen making their directorial debuts and I want to talk about my five favorite actor-directors. Let's start off the list. Number one, Ben Affleck. I love the movies of Ben Affleck as a director. I think he's made three of the best films of the last 20 years. Of course, you have Gone Baby Gone, which features a great performance by Casey Affleck. Morgan Freeman is tremendous in that film. Ed Harris. Then you have The Town. The Town is one of the most underrated, underappreciated films. Jeremy Renner is terrific in that film. The only problem with that movie is Blake Lively's accent, but overall, I love the town. John Hamm as the FBI agent. Everything about the town is terrific. And then you have the best picture winning Argo, which I just recently watched, and I loved Argo. I think what's so great about Ben Affleck as a director are the supporting performances he gets. I mean, in all three of his films, he's gotten Oscar-nominated supporting performances. Amy Ryan in Gone Baby Gone, Jeremy Renner in The Town, and Alan Arkin in Argo. Clearly, the man knows how to get great acting performances. Number two, Greta Gerwig. Her first two films are two of my favorites. Lady Bird, Saoirse Ronan, Laurie Metcalf, Tracy Letts, Timothy Chalamet, Lucas Hedges. And then you have Little Women, again with Saoirse Ronan, again with Timothy Chalamet. Again, Tracy Letts shows up in Little Women. Those two films are perfect. I think she's one of the best writers in Hollywood, but also as a director, she just gets it. I cannot wait for her. Barbie movie starring Margot Robbie and I want her to continue to work with actress Saoirse Ronan. Number three is George Clooney who's not only one of the biggest movie stars in the world but is also one of my favorite directors and this is based off of two films he's directed. Good Night and Good Luck is one of the best films of the early 2000s. I loved every minute of that movie. That movie features great performances by David Strathairn, Patricia Clarkson, Robert Downey Jr. is great in that movie. Jeff Daniels, even Clooney shows up in that. And then you have Ides of March. Ides of March is one of the best films of the 2010s. Ryan Gosling, Paul Giamatti, the late great Philip Seymour Hoffman, Marissa Tomei, Evan Rachel Wood, and Jeffrey Wright are tremendous in that movie. I think Clooney, again, he doesn't always make great movies, but I think he's a fantastic director. That show Catch-22 on Hulu is terrific. He directed that, and I cannot wait for his next movie, the Tender Bar starring Ty Sheridan and Ben Affleck. Number four is John Krasinski who's best known for being Jim from The Office but the last few years he has really become a tremendous director directing the two A Quiet Place films. I love the A Quiet Place franchise. I want to see him direct other films but I love those movies. I mean Emily Blunt has been brilliant in those films. Killian Murphy showed up in A Quiet Place too and was great in that. I think John Krasinski is a director to look out for. I also like his earlier film, The Haulers, where he was the co-star of, with Anna Kendrick, Charlie Day was in that movie. John Krasinski is one of the better actor-directors. And number five is Ben Stiller. Yes, Ben Stiller is a 
comedic force, but he also directed some of these films. I mean, he directed Reality Bites with features, one of my favorite performances from Winona Ryder. He directed Zoolander, and he directed Tropic Thunder. And more recently, the hit Showtime miniseries Escape from Dana Mora, starring Paul Dano, Benicio Del Toro, and Patricia Arquette. So there you have it, my favorite actor-directors, Ben Affleck, Greta Gerwig, George Clooney, John Krasinski, and Ben Stiller. Thanks for listening to this edition of Pop Culture Spotlight. I'm Cameron McKinney, and there'll be a new episode of the podcast every Thursday on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, and this week I put the spotlight on the movies Zola, The Waterman, and Falling. Next week I'm putting the spotlight on the career of actor Dev Patel and the movie The Guilty, starring Jake Gyllenhaal and directed by Antoine Fuqua. So tune into that, and please rate, review, and subscribe. Subscribe.